25 years and my life is still trying to get up that great big hill of hope. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands. We have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again... Mr. Andrew McDonald. Happy to be here. Mr. Nathan Harrison. Pleasure. And Mr. Adam Pancho. Hi. I think your quotes at the beginning of the episodes are getting slightly more cultural and poetic every yeah. time. Yeah. It's, it's very deep. It's it's maybe the songs gross. are just getting it's the way the songs are going. Yeah. 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 So, uh, here we are, once again, uh, hanging out in Andrew's house. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having us. Pleasure to be here myself. Oh, well, of course. It was, a, it was a big deal for you to get out of yeah. bed, man. We appreciate the effort. It was. I was up watching the World Cup. Or we did other sporting events that were done when we recorded this episode. <laughs> <laughs> How was the sports? It was okay. It was not a great match. Um, it's classic that kind of when people criticise the World Cup as being like, the most exciting football because the teams mm. are just more concerned with winning and putting on a good show. There was a bit of that. Yeah. I'm glad Germany won. But, yeah. Spoiler alert. Or indeed, whatever country it was. Whichever country was Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. oh. The Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, well, we've been sportsing pretty hard. Uh, so let's... Uh, kick the noblest of all sports. Let's, let's kick off uh, with our next five songs as we enter the final quarter of the Hottest 100. And we're going to start at number 25 with Belly. This is Feed the Tree. trees in your time well I have one question first do you reckon like if you asked all of the members of Belly whether they what their favourite album is do you reckon they'd all answer Doolittle they all <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, really, yes. I really think that every member of Belly's favourite album do. is yeah. Doolittle um, I, I I have not been familiar with I never heard of the band Belly I never heard the song Feed the Tree but um, when this song came on I dig it I think it's a really cool song it's got that kind of C86 jangle pop Kind of dreamy sound that I really love. It's like just a wall of fuzz away from being a shoegaze song, so I'm gonna buy that. Mm. Um, compositionally, I really love that kind of sound. Um, it's 
crazily 1993-ish. Oh, man, um, totally. But I think it's fantastic. The, like, there's something about the... I, I imagine back in the day, if I was familiar with this song when it came out, I'd be talking about Feed the Tree as a cool kind of expression. I kind of dig it. Yeah, yeah, um, I buy it too. Yeah, it, there's something like... There's the kind of thing that I know that when they inevitably make that 90s show, this will be a song that features in that. It has exactly that kind of vibe of being a nondescript early 1990s track. Um, but I think it's a really wonderful song. I really enjoyed a lot about it. Like, when it was done, I played it again. I think it was a really excellent... Yeah, I, I, I was very enamored with it from the get-go. And worth saying, if you don't get into it straight away, that it does pay repeat listens. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. for, for all its genericism, which you mentioned, like, I didn't get into it the first time. I yeah, mean, it's, right. it's, it's easy to pass it off as being like, it is oh, it's another music. one of those ones. Yeah. But if you listen to it, like it's it's really clever. It's really nice. The sound's really nice. It's very lush, as yeah. you mentioned before. It's very, and I pay um, that chorus. Yeah. It's, it's also very like Dawson's Creek montage core. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, potentially. Oh, totally yeah. right. Feed the tree. Like Feed the tree. That, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that means like from what I gather from the song, it means like to die, right? Like when you're dead, you feed the tree. Essentially, like, that's, yeah. That's kind I'm of not really sure. That makes sense. That's, that's thought, a vibe I got. I just thought about feeding the tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, someone's got to feed them. Feed the tree. Look, I don't pay it as much as you two did. Uh, like, I think it's fine, but it was a little uneventful for me. Like, it kind of dragged on in bits. And for me, like, this is Julianne Hatfield 3. This is Screaming Trees. This is Buffalo Tom, you know. This is another... Oh, I wouldn't call it Buffalo Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it's just another one of those alternative rock songs that's just kind of blended in. And I don't know, it's it's taking me a little a little bit more to, to tell these ones apart. Like this I, I, so I, much I, like the Pixies. Oh, the Pixies, Dave. But if I oh, wanted man, to, if, if I, I wanted to listen to the Pixies, I'd listen to the Pixies. You know. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's that's just, that's my trip, man. That's my thing. I don't think sounding like the Pixies is ever a bad thing, though. Oh, well, I guess if if it's detrimental, it, it is for indie Cindy. Hey, <laughs> that's a very 2014 yeah. joke to be making in yeah. 1993. Very bad. Very like brave person to make fun of the new Pixies album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, that thing had it too good for too long. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, the lead singer of Belly, Andrew, just so you know, uh, was originally uh, the other guitarist and vocalist in The Breeders. Ah, which albums did she appear on? Uh, I think she was on Pod. Just on Pod. Yeah. Right. And, uh, like, the stuff that she'd written and was doing lead vocals on eventually became what Belly would become. Oh, okay. And um, when she left, she was replaced by Kelly Deal, who is Kim Deal's sister, sister. Yeah. Uh, who wanted to join the band but didn't actually know how to play guitar. Huh. Uh, but... Still became the lead guitarist in the yeah. fucking breeders. Like, anything's possible, man. Nepotism. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, Nathan, what do you think? First up, Belly is an incredibly inelegant band name. It is, right? Like, it's just like, Belly. Yeah. Like, who? Yeah. From what I Get read, in my belly! From what I read, that was part of the point. I I actually, well, there you yeah. go. Full marks, I guess. You know that uh, when they made, like, bad review albums or wasn't a great show, you know, that reviewers would be eating up writing that word belly up and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think this song's pretty fine. It got. I had a weird country vibe from it. Yeah, the chorus definitely. Yeah, and the, and the, especially the delivery of the vocals. And it just for me, uh, yeah, the, particularly the vocal performance. Yeah. It just sat in a kind of awkward space between country and rock, and I wanted it to be more country or more rock. Yeah, just a bit more in either direction. Mm. Okay, it just sat a bit yeah unresolved to me, and I was just like, oh, I either want you to you know just like really own the country because it's a beautiful song. Yeah, um, and you know just make that work or go the other direction. I prefer that way probably. If there was like and an acoustic version, maybe get yeah, him to yeah. that. Yeah, but just or, you know, just make it a bit more like rocky, a bit more like you know, girl rock sort of, and you know, like the breeders, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
but it was a nice song. Yeah. Mm. Well, we will get to be talking about the Breeders very, very soon, sure. and I look forward to that immensely. Mm. I think we're done with uh, the tree feeding for now. It's yeah. uh, it's a bit full. Tree's yeah. well fed. Yeah. That is a that is a well stuffed belly, I believe, in, in terms of that tree. <laughs> nice, nice. Light is out, people. At number twenty-four, it's another bench-setting lesbian, uh, Linda Perry, and four non-blondes with "What's Up." Twenty-five years, I'm a lofty steel, trying to get up that great big hill of hope for a destination. I realized quickly when I knew I should that the world was made up of this brotherhood of man. For whatever that means. Into a crisis. Number 24 in the 1993 Hottest 100 with What's Up Fucking Boom Shakalaka. I'm so excited we get to talk about this oh, song. What a miracle. Anyone who disputes this fucking grand opus is a bum of the highest order. <laughs> Let it be known. This song is such a fucking jam. Even before it was taken over by YouTube with its uh, disco remix and the oh He-Man boy. thing. Yeah, but that is so good, though. It is amazing. Like Skeletor in that? Yeah. And yeah. he tries! Oh my god, yeah! Amazing. amazing. Like, I get that, you know, it's been appropriated by a new generation and it is admittedly one of the greatest things to ever happen to the internet. But at the same time, when you just get it back to those four chords... And Linda those Perry's, four non-blondes. Those four <laughs> non-blondes. And Linda Perry's absolutely fucking amazing vocals on this track. Like, it just gets me, man. Like, I totally get that this is like your, your cliche, like, soft rock go-to. Like, your Tracy Chapman or whatever else. But That's the, a weird comparison. No, like, this was... This, this no, is it's pretty the, suitable. You reckon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. like, this, right. is, this, is like a, this is like a lighter ballad in the same way that... Fast Car is a lighter ballad. I just, I, well, I mean, I guess I find it a weird comparison because I don't know whether I could be as ironically into Tracy Chapman as I am. There is no irony in my Maybe if there was a Skeletor. Yeah. Tracy <laughs> Chapman had no Skeletor. She didn't ever have she a She doesn't beast need man. a Skeletor. You know, there is no irony in my love for That's Tracy exactly, Chapman. That woman like is a, a fucking one woman revolution right there. Don't fuck with Tracy Chapman. But enough about Tracy Chapman. We're here to talk about Linda Perry. Uh, let's throw this one to Adam. 
Okay. Now, you've probably heard this, again, quite a bit through your work in commercial radio. Well, yeah, but I guess the more I, I more know it mimetically, and I think... Yes. Through your work on YouTube. <laughs> through your extensive work on YouTube. But I feel like even before that, there was something about this song that made it become that. And I think, like, I kind of feel a little bit guilty, because if you take this song as it was intended, and whatever, like, it's incredibly heartfelt, and incredibly emotional and raw and whatever, and... It's it's to the point where it's it's kind of like it's it's too much, so it it goes into that ridiculous land. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I feel and I, I do feel guilty saying that because it's 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 particularly coming from a certain position, and I, I yeah, like I, I feel a bit uncomfortable criticizing it, but I, I always feel like I'm a little bit ironically engaged hmm. with this song. Like I feel that's just kind of where it sits now, and I embrace that personally. Like I I think it's it's anthemic. Um, and I love it. And man, I just want to sing it in karaoke all the time. <laughs> I don't really feel the um, the magnetization of it, to be honest, um, because I haven't. I'm not familiar with this disco Skeletor remix. Oh my god! How? It's okay. I'm a pop, I guess. How did you miss um, that? I guess what? It's a YouTube like... meme, and it's all right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You internet way yeah. harder than I do. How did you miss that? <laughs> Slip through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, I enjoyed the song. I don't, I don't know from its mimetic thing. Well, I do, I do know from mimetic mutation in terms of external to YouTube remixes because it is that chorus is just so fucking iconic that you know it before you know. Yeah, I, I guarantee people who said people who didn't know the band Four Non Bombs or the song name What's Up. If you yeah. just said to them, that's what, yeah, that song that goes well, hey, hey, people would know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like that. Yeah. Well, it's called What's Up because. What's going? They didn't want to call cool. it what's going on because of Marvin Gaye. Uh-huh. Oh, of course. Well, that's very polite of them. Yeah, I pay that. Um, <laughs> you just can't, you just can't compete yeah. with the gay. You, oh, you can't compete with the gay. You no. can't compete with that fucking everything about that. Oh, so yeah. good. Um, okay. Nonetheless, so, yeah. This, you, you, you like the song? Yeah, I pay it. It certainly has like it's the. I guess in a way, it's the like the safest possible conclusion to I guess the grunge ideas because it has that same kind of disaffected youth, someone in their mid twenties trying to make it up that hill from the bat but it, it kind of reeks of a motivational poster in a lot of ways I think it's like, so funny that you like, said that because uh, there was actually an, an AOL critic that says this is the musical equivalent of the hang in there poster except oh, on the description oh, there's a bit of that that's no, exactly no, there's a bit of that yeah oh. It's just, there's a oh, bit of that. You are, are you that AOL critic? <laughs> yes, that's me. Yeah. You are. So you are Andrew online. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, was like CD ROM? Floppy disk review. A CD ROM of an internet browser? Oh god. Yeah, um, like I do pay it, but I think it's. I pay it because it's a one hit wonder and it's fun. That's what I pay it for. I don't pay it for any kind of, I guess, genuine reason. Like yeah. I said, I pay it in the same reason that I pay lip sync. I pay it in the same reason. Ah, yes. Yeah. Like in those kind Ace of dorky, base? yeah, similar way I guess. Yeah, yeah kind of dorky one. Hey, one of there are two hit wonder. Oh well, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But it's that I have that kind of love for it. I do have love for it. And I do. I will sing along. It's impossible not, not not to. It's a great chorus. Yeah, and she has a wonderful voice. Um, wonderfully large mouth. But um, I don't. I don't feel style like style in the video as well. I remember, I remember the oh, video the incredibly. The hat and those dreads and those groovy. Oh, yeah, so good. So groovy. But like again, I like it from a one hit wonder point of view, not a, I guess songwriting point of view because mm, I think it's rather yeah. generic but you, it, I, do you find it hard to connect to it like in, in a general way like yeah man what is going on because like yeah well I don't think it's well I don't I, don't, I guess so but only because I've never considered doing that yeah like I, it's so far removed from that because it's just it's like safe it's yeah it's, it's your mum's grunge like, <laughs> like, uh, mum's grunge I, has yeah. to be a thing yeah I find, oh, I find sorry Linda <laughs> 
I just I, I think maybe it's maybe it's just that one moment the oh my god do I try like that oh. that tips it over the edge for me yeah, like right. I think yeah. I think perhaps if it was different in that section I may be able to take it as a serious song but as it stands I just I can't take it seriously wow. and that's that's why I always regard it with. I think it works. I'm with you, David. I, I love this song. I, think it's a I love song. it as well. I just I just, just love it for serious. His voice is just incredible. I, I yeah yeah. I think not to make, like, I have to take it seriously just because she sings it so passionately. Like I I yeah. I mean, also I'm not a huge fan of the meme. Like it's okay. So like, for me, for me, I think it's <laughs> just a really Nathan good. Harrison. I'm Ooh. on your side. <laughs> I think it's a really good song, and I, and I think like. For me, like, I interpret it as just a really big, like, sort of, like, you know, we're here sort yeah. of thing. Like, especially as a, a band of four women. Yeah. You know, writing music together like that. I think, like, it's a significant song just as a, like, look at us, we're here. Yeah. And I think Linda, Linda Perry covers that, like, incredibly well. That's why I feel guilty, like, because I, cause I, do, I do find it just over the top. <laughs> and that's, and that, but that's where my enjoyment oh, it of it is. it does go over the top. There's a reason it goes over the top. It, that's... It, it's got its convictions and you know it's just busted out in that way and I think it works yeah like, maybe if you had convictions Adam you'd understand oh. Oh. everything's just too ironic for me I'm oh. part of the disaffected youth generation yeah. man you really are man I just don't the highest more lows. yeah, yeah. It's, it's very uh... <laughs> well our life is still trying to get up that great big hill of hope that is the 1993 Hottest 100 so I will be well. singing this at karaoke yes we I, will I will yeah. be Right, I don't know when the karaoke is going to happen. Come on, everyone! I'm saving it for karaoke day. <laughs> Beautiful. I look forward to that immensely. Let's get weird. And number twenty-three. This is Bjork with Human Behavior. Relationship with the queen of weirdness. It's true love. True love. I, ad- I adore Björk. I really, what really was your, do. What, would you remember the first time you heard Björk? 
Yes, I do actually. It was Zanro in the morning on Triple J. Uh-huh. Um, and I was I just happened to have the radio on because I was just hanging out and she played yoga from the album Homogenic. Ah, yes. And I like I was stopped dead by it because that string arrangement kicked in and I hadn't heard anything like that at that point. Um it, yeah, it was mind blowing and I, the, my love of that song expanded into a greater love of Björk from that point. Um and inclusive of this song. I think this is just a amazing song that if it was released tomorrow would still be a really great way to do a pop song and would be still relatively groundbreaking I think those timpanis and the percussion that it's based around is fantastic I think the voice that Björk uses not only in her actual vocal performance which is as always absolutely stellar stunning and untouchable but also like the persona that she adopts within the lyrics is just wonderful and so suitable for her because she is not a human. She is not of this world. She's she really she's is not. She's, a, she's not cons- an alien. Yeah, she's not concerned with human silliness. She's got a whole other kind of silliness going on. So I think it's marvelous. I, I love that we got to jump from one of my favorite vocalists of all time last week to another one this week in from Katie Lang to Björk, and the fact that you couldn't pick two more couldn't different be vocalists. Be <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have always just found her voice so challenging and at times very difficult to kind of comprehend and get into, but once you do, the reward is so fucking great. This is admittedly isn't my go-to Bjork single. Like, I, I, I do rank a lot of her songs a lot higher in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, granted, this is one of her first singles, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was her first. Oh. Yeah. Well, she if, actually, you, if you're not counting like the stuff that she did with, as a teenager and her stuff with the sugar kids as well. Oh, of course. This yeah. actually was uh, interestingly written um, way, way early on in mm. her life, the melody and whatever. Like, she wrote the melody um, when, while she was a teenager and went and re-envisioned it and whatever. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I think uh, the arrangement on this, like you said, the timpanis and the... The way it just kind of rolls through percussively, I think, is really well done. So jungly. Yeah, 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 which relates to the video, which is fucking insane, as your videos are wont to do. Directed by Michelle Gondry, the great. Amazing, amazing. And they're all so good. They're all incredible. Great. Yeah, so I really, really do dig this song, and I'm glad that we do get to talk about Björk a few more times. This is the first of four appearances. She'll be making over the next few Hottest 100s. Great. So, uh, yeah, plenty more discussion points. But uh, let's throw to Mac now. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're a bit of a fan? Uh, not really, actually. The oh, first, wow. My okay. first Björk uh, exposure. Curveball. Yeah. Curveball McDonald. I'm my, shot. My first Björk experience was It's So Quiet. Um, hearing the scene the video for that video incredibly striking and incredibly memorable yeah um, and I know that that song is actively not like Björk's traditional style but mm. hearing that I was not really a fan I never really considered to looking into it further but then when I guess later on in like kind of teen years and stuff when people were recommending her as being a more experimental artist I gave her a chance and looked into it mm. never really grabbed me I've heard a, a handful of albums here and there um, just like on and off and I'll occasionally yeah. I guess every few years I'll try and revisit okay um, I think that it's kind of like manufactured weirdness like um I, I think that it's a really, really? Kind of, you, yeah. you genuinely don't think that she's like that no I don't know but I've seen times like where she'll put on a, an actively like a fake voice and pretend she can't say proper English in interviews and other times she's just fine kind of thing like it seems a real kind of not at all like I guess like when I think of like pop avant-garde like Captain Beefheart or something like that which I think works incredibly well I don't really feel that with Bjork I feel like it's she's just been like a, written some perfectly serviceable pop songs and then found Tom Waits and thought holy shit I should 
cover a, like this in a layer of weird. And that's what I kind of felt. This song, I think, as a first kind of single, or like from her first album, kind of shows a lot more promise than I think that I've found from her. I think this song is much better than the, most of Bjork that I've heard. I quite liked it. I can see it being a banger in an, an alternative dance club even today, let alone back in the early 90s. I'm sure it went off in alternative dance clubs then. But I'm sure even now you could play it and external to nostalgia, people would jam on it. And I think it is a very well-written song. And the video, fantastic as well. Her vocal performance, as said, is great. But I do, but so far, in terms of my Bjork exploration, this has been the exception rather than the rule. Okay. Nathan? I guess I'm, I'm sort of between you two and, and Andrew. I guess like the, the tepid water to your fire. <laughs> <and ice. laughs> like, I, I like I like Bjork a fair bit, I guess. Not heaps. Like, I'm never going to go out of my way to listen to her. But, you know, I think she has some pretty excellent songs and, and has some interesting craft. This is a really nice song. I like it. Like, yeah, the beats and jungly. It's so good. It's, it's you know, slightly off kilter and otherworldly, I guess. And, and I think her vocal delivery is pretty great. The way she said, you know, keeps saying like, "This is definitely, definitely, definitely." Yeah, that's, obviously, that's great, yeah. and you know, it's so like, well written, and yeah. it totally captures that, like, looking at people from the outside. And, yeah, and, and as much as it's said as this weird thing, it's you know, very like it's so easy to watch watch things happen from afar and just be like, "I don't understand how these people are doing these things that they're doing." Like, you know, you, mm. can, you can compare it to war and things like that. And I guess the first Gulf War is a couple of years before that, even though she wrote the song when she was a teenager or whatever. But like, yeah, it's very easy to this song for it to be looking at mm. other things and, and having that that feeling produced yeah it's a pretty great song question for Andrew yeah if you were to frame Björk more as just a mainstream pop artist that was playing on a deliberate weird aesthetic yeah would, it, would she sit better with you perhaps I'm not sure but I guess that was how I first discovered it was, a man, was as a mainstream pop artist I never considered yeah. it to be anything related to the avant-garde and I wasn't impressed then and then like when I've seen like uh, videos like on uh, biophilia and stuff um, yeah yeah like I've never really been taken with it I've always been like oh, I'm not like, well, going to look into that pop singer like, that's how I've seen her as being someone who I've heard the singles of and thought to myself that's not really for me okay. and then whenever I've picked it up as being like conceptually an album driven kind of person I really have to pay attention to her because it's really yeah. quite challenging music I've never really felt it I think she works quite well as a singles person so I don't really pay that I guess I guess I'm just yeah I think framing her as an avant-garde artist too strongly is probably the no, wrong, no, no, wrong I, way I, to no 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 I was suggesting that you were no, but perhaps I, I wouldn't throw her with the residence or anything but oh, like, hell no yeah like I do think that like she's not like a terrible terrible musician or anything like that but I just never really felt like from everything I've heard from her, nothing has made me think, yeah, I'll keep doing it. Like, yeah. I've never okay. really been that impressed. I was, I was just wondering how much, like, the contrivance of weirdness yeah. got in the way of No, that isn't a huge barrier. I do think there's a, there is a bit of that to her. Like, it's, I, I do feel it's very manufactured. Yeah. Um, and that does roll me up with her as a person kind of thing. But I think it's manufactured what? with the residents as well. But okay. I love the residents. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm kind of okay with the manufacturer of weirdness yeah. for, the, for that just being what it is as an aesthetic. Like, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty mm. okay with it. Like... I think that comes across in the lyrics and the position of the song a little bit as well. Like, it's almost too much pushing the angle yeah. of being well, again, away I, from humanity. But I think that, for her, like, it really well, works. And I don't really feel it in this song, I must say. I think this right. song is, like, okay. I think, like I said, this is, I guess, probably one of the peak Bjork songs I've heard, I would say. Okay. Well, cool. Maybe I should look into this first album. Yeah, I'd say so. And also, I'd also recommend uh, her greatest hits record from 2002. Okay. Yeah, if you, if you like, the selective moments from yeah, her. Yeah, right. Yeah, from her discography, then I think the Greatest Hits record is a good uh, uh, place to hmm. venture forth. Or even better, YouTube her singles and watch all the videos. Of them. Yeah, oh, yeah. That oh is yeah, the DVD is amazing. Yeah, you'll not regret so that simple. at all. 
There's some amazing videos. Yeah, in I know there. she's kind of renowned for that. Look, I think I think it is worth pointing out, you know, that she is an incredibly divisive artist, and you know we've proved that here. But we're still talking about her twenty something years on. Yeah, I lived in a house where I couldn't play Bjork in the house, not even in my own room, because of how much my housemate at the time hated Bjork. Huh. Wow, couldn't happen. Yeah. I couldn't live with that person. You know, it's like a must love dog. Must love Bjork. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait till she goes out. This is Bjork party. Oh, I, yeah. That's awesome. We have to have a Bjork party. Every day. <laughs> Every goddamn Every day. day. And number 22. This is Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with the ship song. Don't sail your ships around me. And burn your bridges down We make a little history, baby Every time you come inbound Come loose your dogs upon me And let your hair hang down You are a little mystery to me Every time you call around We talk about it all night long We define our Bad Seeds at number 22 with the ship song and we are very very lucky and very fortunate and very blessed to have Nick Cave in the room with us. Nick thank you so much for joining us and uh, yeah tell us a little bit about this song and uh, why it's the greatest song ever. Honestly I would feel ashamed and am cringingly embarrassed that you would do that to me but but I I don't because I just love Nick Cave so much. (laughs) As, as again, much like when I was ranting about the Cure a few weeks ago. Um, what thing ranting? Well, you know, yeah, you, you, considering how much you love the Cure, yeah, man, you turned I it down. Back. Yeah, but again, with, it's just as obvious, I guess, to anybody that's known me for any more than like a few months. Kind of thing was as obvious how big a Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds fan I really am. I love pretty much everything he's ever done. All of his bands, I've got something to love and something great to say about all of them. From the Boys Next Door up until uh, Grinder Man and the recent Bad Seeds records as well. I think that he's one of those artists that I look at his discography on the whole, and because it's so extensive and there's so much to it that I'm able to, and I've heard all of it so often that I'm really able to view each album as being like, oh, even though this album isn't great, it shows this kind of progression for him as a songwriter, and he's, he's that artist for me. He's one of my longest and truest loves musically that I, that I will ever have. I adore the man and his output. This song, I think, it's one of his finest kind of romantic songs. I do think that. Um, you hear about people often picking the ship song to be a song to walk down the aisle to and I think that's a very like Nick himself has shown some kind of reticence to accept that kind of thing which I guess that's just part of who he is but uh, I, I, I do understand that that um, has one of my favourite lyrics or metaphors about a 
a relationship that um when he says that I see you've grown sad now because you know the time is nigh when I must remove your wings and you must try to fly. That idea of being in a relationship it does limit what you might be able to do. Kind of thing like that. I think it's explored in many different ways, but mm. being married kind of thing like that. It's that typical kind of if you love something, set it free, and if it doesn't, and if it comes back to you, it's always yours or whatever like that. Yeah. Similar idea that. You must, if you it's remove someone's us, wings, yeah. yeah, you cut someone's wings and they still have to try and do things and fly. They might, might, might not be able to do as much with you, but they, but you're there kind of thing like that. I think it's an incredibly beautiful, achingly romantic song. Uh, it's got some of Nick's finer kind of vocal moments. He's never the most technically accomplished of singers, but he has his, he's got his groovy crew on here and I love it. The piano work is charming, uh, whilst this is not, I guess, typical for what you call the bad seed sound. I do like... Thomas Wilder's very restrained, kind of relaxed jazz drumming. Yeah. The Blixer Bargeld-led ooze are very nice. I'm always happy to hear Blixer's voice. Yeah, I love this song crazily, heavily, madly. It's a beautiful song. The first time I heard it, which was probably in the context of a single before I had, heard, I had actually heard the album it's from, um, I still love the... Like, I loved it there, and I love it on the context of the record as well. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful, wonderful song. I agree. I mean, like, how can you not, really? Yeah, but, yeah. like, I remember, you know, a number of weeks ago when we were talking about Crowded House, and I was talking about those lines that Neil says, like, you know, I don't pretend to know what you want, and how that yeah. so succinctly and, and beautifully summarizes love. Nick Cage does the exact yeah. same thing. Comes out of ships around me. Yeah, Please. absolutely. Oh, and, and just, <laughs> and, like, all your defenses crumbling, and that, that feeling of being completely disarmed by another yeah, person. Yeah, totally naked. It, yeah, yeah it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love all the ooze and eyes. They're so majestic. Yes. Yeah. It makes this whole thing of, you know, being in the presence of someone else that is so influential to your own sense of self. It's just, it's so majestic yeah. and momentous. And, oh, it's, it's gorgeous song. It's just beautiful. On the, um, there's that, that Nick Cave lecture, The Secret Life of the Love Song. He speaks in that about, he thinks that his favourite love songs that he's ever liked are always the ones that are undercut by a feeling of sorrow and sadness. And I think this is exactly the kind of thing he's talking about. Yeah. Um, it's exactly... It's super valid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm new to this song. Right, um, I, I know that. Are you new to Nick weird. Cave in general? Yeah, fairly new to Nick Cave in general. I mean, I've I've only you know Andrew. <laughs> I bother you a lot. Sure, <laughs> I he's 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 the number one on my list. That's kind of like oh, I should listen to more Nick Cave that I never end up getting around to because it's just like classic. oh, I'm gonna listen to that Andrew Bird album again. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, which it's one? one of those uh, mysterious production of eggs. If you if I have to choose one, yeah. Um, yeah, we're not talking about Andrew Bird. <laughs> <laughs> but this song, like, do you got, do you think it's a fair comment to say that it was on the knife's edge though? Like, if anyone, if this was in the hands of anyone else, potentially it could have been it could be disaster. Totally, yeah. like, like, yeah. Well, I guess because they about any kind of overly genuine love song. Yeah, yeah. If it's not handled well, it's just sappy, and and you hear so many sappy love songs, and you're like, oh god, what were you thinking? Yeah, yeah. A le- like I'd say a lesser songsmith would have made a disaster I think this. musically you know you kind of see that the most but like lyrically and the way it was delivered vocally is friggin untouchable yeah. like I'm so glad you know you were saying that this is Nick, Nick Cave not being an accomplished singer but I think it yeah. does him so many favours in this yeah. song because he has no other choice but to be genuine and yeah. be real yeah. and that's what comes across and I think like it was either going to be him that nailed it or I don't know like Peter Gabriel yeah. because well, it's the kind of- that guy can sing any love song you know who did make a disaster of the song? The Sydney Opera House. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I looked that at band. that. Oh, my what God. Mr. Bell. Oh, my God. John Bell. Villain. <laughs> <laughs> and then Temper Trapper in there as well. It's like, oh, what is going on? Yeah. Okay. Is Neil... Oh, okay. I, I, no, Paul Kelly is Paul in Kelly there. And that's nice. There's a, yeah. there's a few moments that are like, oh, this is okay. And then John Bell just sort of like 
pokes his head up from behind the seat. A spoken word moment. Yeah. Yeah. Pantomime villain. (laughs) (laughs) You're a bad, bad man. (laughs) See, I read about this and I was wondering, he's like, oh, maybe I should look at this? I shouldn't look at that. This will unquestionably be in the show notes and on the blog. How do you think, how do you find the song, David? Uh, Honestly, uh, I do, I do quite like it, but uh, this, this might throw a couple of you, but I think uh, I would compare this to Leonard Cohen's Alleluia in that I think that it's evolved into something a lot greater than its original form. I'm happy to say that with Hallelujah. Yeah, with this with this uh, track, I like. I think it's a great showcase of Nick Cave as a songwriter. Like the piano parts are great, but uh, yeah, like I think it, it, it's it's slightly overdone in parts, like with the drumming and the and the and the kind of choiry vocals and stuff like that. I feel like. In the live versions that have come out, and you know Nick doing it solo on piano and stuff like that, I think that's where it really kind of gets to the essence of what the song is. Mm-hmm. Like with with Alleluia's original version, with that overblown uh, chorus, yeah, the and, chorus, yeah, and you know the the drumming and stuff like that. I'm just like, I I found you know when I was trying to get into Lenny Cohen, I found the record that had Alleluia on it because I was just like, obviously that's the record you listen to, and it's just like, it's not a great entry point, is it? Oh, uh, what the <laughs> hell? Yeah. Really? This is like the greatest songwriter. Like ever, like this is what you guys are into. Obviously, later I you know discover yeah. the proper versions of Alleluia and stuff like not Jeff Buckley, but like the other versions that's like the live version. Yeah, even, yeah, many yeah. So I think there are, are are greater versions of the ship song out there uh, that that Nick has put his hand into. Like I think this version's okay, but I think it evolves into something greater when you just get the song at its core. Mm. Well, I think there is a reason that it is such a live staple now. He plays it in all of his Yeah, concerts. yeah. Nick will be uh, touring Australia in December, and I'm pretty sure we all got tickets apart from Adam. You didn't get tickets? No, yeah. Ah, well, bite your time. It'll happen. Uh, and yeah, I undoubtedly think that will be one of the standouts. Yeah, on, on, on a stripped back kind of solo ish. Yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be pretty amazing. Uh, now, over the next 15 years of the Hottest 100, Nick Cave will uh, reappear once again seven times. So, uh, it's it's sporadic, well, not, yeah. it's sporadic, but he's he's still he's still there. He's I'm still ha- kind of yeah. bubbling under the Triple J demographic. Yeah, I'm happy to always talk about him again, and I really am. I know that it's kind of one of those cliches to... Uh, give a shit about the nationality of musicians but he's one of those people that I'm just like you know what Australia we produce some good ones yeah like yeah we've got this guy you've done yeah. alright kid yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is certainly this, one of those this Victorian musician that got big in Germany and lives yeah. in the UK yeah, yeah. yeah. he's ours yeah, yeah. yeah. multinational group of backing musicians <laughs> yeah. yeah when people talk about our Nick we're not talking about Nicole Kidman we're talking yeah. about Nick Cave that's what's up so fucking God bless you you beautiful fucking creature we have one last song to talk about today, and they are sliding back in after a long and dearly, dearly missed absence from the 1993 Hottest 100. Number 21, it's Cruel Sea with Black Stick. My brain My stomach 
In the 1993 Hottest 100 with Black Stick. Now, that fucking good. It's so good. I think the first thing, especially after like playing the ship song and then this, my first thought was like, Nick Cave must love this song. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, just so, I like, think you wouldn't. It's, but you can pair it so perfectly with like Red Right Hand and all of that really groovy Bad yeah. Seed stuff. The Cool C tour with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds in 93. As well as oh, That would have been an yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. fucking tour. This song obviously is, is amazing. It's so groovy. It's so sexy. I love it. I like, And I, I think you really do get this sense of building the way he talks about the trains and yep. the roads and the cities and all that stuff. And and so when he finishes the song with the R's turning into I could be your whole world it's like yeah like you totally have built that up over the whole song yeah man and it just it delivers it's beautiful also the line and the mayor of the city says the city seems ain't half bad yes beautiful beautiful the timing god tier text yeah fucking amazing I think I actually prefer the Delivery Man to this track. Oh, that's yeah, fair. Like, that's fair. Delivery Man I think that fucking, as well. Yeah. Yeah, Delivery Man is a fucking rip snort. Yeah, I think uh, this is, um, like, I think Delivery Man does a bit more with that kind of, I guess, old Americana blues that obviously the Cruel Sea, like, apes so fantastically. This um, is more this coastal. I mean, that was, that, that's more like Dust Bowl, yeah. Delivery Man. <laughs> yeah. This has got, this is, this is, a, this, this is in the city. Yeah. Like, this is the big smoke. But like, it has a beach. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I, I, get, I get real big coastal vibes from this. Okay. To, me, to me, this is like, you know those guys that wear the Hawaiian shirt and they shouldn't look badass, but they still do. Oh sure, you know they're leading Tex up. Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah, he's yeah. a killer with the ladies. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah this is uh, honestly I like this album, but I don't love it. I yeah, I, I kind of it became kind of background music for me halfway through. It. I'm not sure. Like I know that like, I like the cool scene. I like Tex Perkins, but I know that both the C as a band and Perkins himself as a songwriter have more in them than just this song. I think I enjoy it, but. It's not the kind of thing that I would... If I heard it, I probably wouldn't then go and explore sure. Texas back catalogue. I think I agree with you that Delivery Man is a stronger song. Like, yeah. You get... I get a better sense of, I guess, character yeah. from that, like... You flavor. Know, yeah, there's so much flavor in that in the Delivery Man. There's, like, that yeah, yeah. kind of menace. Yeah. And you're like, ooh, what is this? Yeah. This this dangerous, sexy man. Should yeah. I go with him? <laughs> oh, I guess maybe I should. I don't know. <laughs> but but I, I still think this is a great song. Yeah. Like, it's her... This comes uh, again from the Honeymoon is Over record. And Which killed it this year. Like, oh, yeah. Even having seen as the well, it's true. Lasted it. Cleaned I up with the Arias. They toured with the Rolling Stones. Like, so 1993, good. as Sex has said, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, this is their most popular album for a reason. Like, yeah. it's just hit after hit after hit. The groove just locks in on this track. The vocals fucking snarl. The guitar just kicks. And it just comes together to form an absolute hell of a track. Yeah. Like, I'm 
I, I've gone through this before, but I'm a total cruelty aficionado and huge fan of the first band I ever saw live when I was all of 11 years old. And that was a that was Thanks, a man. oh it was an enlightening experience. I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> yeah. Never seen anything like it to this day. Um, Badassery levels just like skyrocketed from oh, that point. Fucking huge, all yeah. fucking time. Yeah, I'm always going to have love for this band. In my opinion, one of the most underrated and overlooked bands in the history of Australian rock music. A lot of people love them though. Oh, that's true, but like, but not enough. Yeah, well, not like, enough. Yeah, it's not one of those things like no matter how critically acclaimed they are, they're probably still a little bit underrated. I remember they did really, really well, uh, especially with The Honeymoon Is Over in the uh, Triple J Hottest 100 albums of all time. They were yeah, that's In right. the industry list and in also in the people's voted lists, I believe. And in many people's personal lists, they, they popped up a lot. So hmm. I, I, I love this track as well. But I am glad, like you, that I, Andrew, that I heard other Cruel Sea songs in the countdown prior to this one coming along because they definitely inform what this does. I think yeah. what this does is gives variety on the badassery yeah that's like, a good point you know what I mean this is as I said like this is chilled out coastal badassery in a Hawaiian shirt which is still <laughs> badassery yeah. and what I love most about it is that with that sense of momentum that you talked about Nathan like they the genius of it to me is that like they get the jam amount exactly right yeah so, some, some tracks when there's a jam there's too much jam you don't want to, don't want to spread that much on there you know, or this, or they don't take things. Yeah, they don't take things far enough. I think this is just enough to be considered playful yet still succinct. And I think the producer and the band need to get mad props for that. Yeah, I, I like it, thinking, like listening to this song again. I, it just struck me like what an incredibly confident record. Oh yeah, the honeymoon is over. Is. Yeah, and like every song on there is like you guys knew exactly what you were doing. Yeah. And you just you achieved it. In yeah, space. The, the confidence level is through the roof here. Though. Yeah, like, there's no there's no hesitation. It's like. You can tell that they're like they're business musicians yeah. and here to make fucking reason there. It rocks. Yeah. And the best part is it gets even better real soon. <laughs> uh, so it's not over yet for the cruel sea. Spoiler alert. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. We would like to thank you so much for listening. Before we get out of here, let's talk about our favourites and our least favourites. For me, it's what's up as my favourite from this week. And, yeah, just by default, I think Feed the Tree is my least favourite from this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to Adam. Five really, really strong songs it's this week. It's a tough one. It's an actual it's tough, tough one to choose. I am going to go with Nick Cave for my favourite. Because okay. it was, again, the, it gets discovery points for me. I hadn't really heard this song much before this rolled around and it's kind of what I want love to feel like so I'm gonna I'm gonna vote that as my come on guys we love you (laughs) I'm gonna vote that as my favourite and uh, you know like I guess I guess Belly comes in at number 5 it's still highly commended like it still gets the certificate for you know effort doesn't walk away empty handed Mm. Yeah, get some steak knives that's fair I kind of want to say Black Stick is my favourite so I could say that I want that to be what love is but no I'm going to pick the shit song <laughs> um, and, and yeah Feed the Tree like it, again, it's, it's still the, good it's the yeah. fifth best song like, yeah, it, it's, it's by no yeah. means is a bad song it's just a bad yeah. bunch Favourite, no surprises, that it's uh, the ship song. And uh, fifth favourite, I'm actually going to have to say Bjork. As much as I did say it was a bit of a discovery and yeah. perhaps the starting point for me to look into Bjork deeper. But it is still the fifth favourite for me fair enough we could work on you we could get you around sweet deal thanks a lot for listening iTunes rate review subscribe Facebook WordPress 100S A-N-D 1000S I'm just becoming a robot at this point when it comes to the fucking plugs 1000S yeah that's that's all I am 
That's all I am. That's all I am. That's all I am. That's all I am. All right, we're going to reset, David. Wrap it up. Sorry, I was just glitching out for a second. I blue screened. But I'm going to be okay now. On behalf of Miss Andrew McDonald. Thank you. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. Thank you. And on behalf of Mr. Nathan Harris. No, thank you. The pleasure was all mine. My name is David James Young. Keep music evil. Goodbye. Hottest 100s and thousands is filmed in front of a live studio audience.